0: Hello everyone, I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem, Alan Marston is a successful corporate executive heading up departments in business development, sales, marketing, and human resources. As a serial entrepreneur, Alan has over 18 years experience in the technology startup space and was the CEO of his own Silicon Valley company. Currently founder of Zenoshi.io, Alan is building a universal rewards card program on the blockchain. For this episode, Alan decides he wants to interview me, which I guess is fair considering I interviewed him on the last episode. Well, Alan, take it away.
1: Well, hello, everyone. I'm Alan Marston, and I'm sitting here with Al Del Dagan. Uh, Al was actually the guy that started the whole, had, uh, I think he even had me had the concept of the whole Rainforest podcast, and uh, we're very grateful for him to him for what he's done. So, Al, uh, uh, did you actually come up with this idea for the Rainforest Podcast, or was it somebody else that said, hey,
0: we should do it, and then you just ran with it? Yeah, no, actually, I uh, I came up with the idea because I had been doing podcasting before for quite some time. and uh, And I just thought, you know, there's all these great people sitting in the Rainforest audience, and when they come to the rainforest for the very first time, they get to stand up for 30 seconds and say who they are and what they're working on and what they need from the rainforest and what they can give back to the rainforest. And I thought that's great for that 30 seconds at that one meeting. But then, you know, a month later or two months later, um, there's new people there. And, you know, you would have, if you even were there that day that the person made the 30-second pitch, you probably would have forgotten. Uh, what they were pitching about because you couldn't possibly remember like 30 people, right? Um, but I thought, what's a good way that people could um, share their stories? And, uh, and you know, we'd have this library of people that are part of the rainforest and learning what they're going through and what they've done and, and what they've accomplished and what their skills are. And then, uh, you know, it was a pretty short jump from there to a, a podcast, which I really enjoy doing anyways. And um, then I thought, Well, this is a rainforest. This is a collaborative thing. This is where um, everybody comes together and they share and they work together to to levitate the whole uh, Alberta ecosystem, right? And so I thought, well, instead of me hosting a podcast for the rainforest, why don't I produce one where all of the rainforest volunteers have the opportunity to be a host on the show as well as a guest? And that way, when you're listening to the podcast, you get You get to hear different people and, you know, some people are you're going to resonate with them as a host and some people you're not. But either way, it's a variety and uh, you get to know uh, more and more people and they get to get that opportunity to be a podcast host. Because, you know, a lot of people I talk to when they're growing up at some point in their life, they kind of thought it would be kind of fun to be like a radio DJ or something like that. Right. And and podcasting is honestly As close as you can get to a radio DJ without actually having that as a career and having to go to school and be part of some big um, uh, radio uh, uh, broadcasting company or whatever. Uh, And anyone can do it, right? You know, you throw together some equipment and uh, record your thing edit it and post it up on the internet and you have a podcast it's it's mostly that simple (laughs) there's a there's a few idiosyncrasies and and details that I'm happy to share with people because I I do get that quite a bit you know I want to do my own podcast do you have any advice or can you teach me how to do it and yeah I'm I'm more than happy to do that Uh, it's more of a passion project for me and
1: well maybe we should maybe we should do another podcast with you uh, and just talk about how to do a podcast. Yeah. Because I think that would be helpful. I mean, there are, there are definitely podcasts out there that tell you how to do it. But I think you've got a, uh, you know, I've, I've been through your trainings where you've trained people how to, how to do a podcast. And you've got a, a way of, as, uh, you know, uh, some great leaders have said, of taking the cookies from the top shelf and putting it on the bottom shelf so people can access it. And you've got that, that, Simplest,
0: simpler way of explaining it that I really like. So maybe we should do that sometime. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying yeah, that. Thank yeah. you. And, and, and that would be a fun project to do. I would yeah. be all over that. And
1: uh, so I have to say I love the idea of the, the, the Rainforest podcast. I love the idea of the, the many different hosts. I think you're right. Uh, the different hosts also give it a different perspective. They have a different rapport with each of their uh, the people that they're talking to. Uh, I've already learned a lot. I, I was saying to uh, one of the founders of the Rainforest, uh, Brad Zumwalt, that, you know, I might not get the time. He might not get the time to have lunch with me and for me to learn about who he is and and the terrific background that he comes from. But that was a great podcast that he did with him that uh, enabled me to learn about him. And there's other podcasts that I've done, like I've done with Peter LaFontaine, another co-founder of the, of the Rainforest, that I didn't – I didn't know that. So I'm just having a conversation with people and I learn and I'm learning things even, I know I'm going to learn things about you in this next (laughs) uh, few minutes that we talk.
0: So it's such a, I mean, just getting a chance to sit down and talk to somebody is such a great way to get to know who they really are. And if you have that time where, um, you know, it's kind of a, you can have more than five minutes of their time at a, at a meeting or something if you actually get that time to sit down with them right. and, the, and let's be honest the podcast is a great opportunity for everybody for the guest it's a great opportunity for them to get their story out there and potentially get people to know about them if they're um marketing a product or a service or they're an investor or whatever it is it gets people to know that they exist so it's a little bit of a marketing angle for them um for the hosts themselves i mean you get to know the host pretty well because you're having a chat with uh with them on a re- more more of a regular basis. i mean right. you 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 were the very first host of the rainforest podcast and you've done quite a few episodes already and you've come up to me on a number of occasions and said i don't want this to be the alan marston show we've got to get more people That's and i'm right. like yeah i know yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've you know i've uh, i really appreciate your your um you know coming on board and helping out with this because it really helped me kick it off right. and uh and i do appreciate that and I know you had a hard time kicking it off.
1: Even <laughs> even someone like me said, "Yes, I'm interested." And then, of course, you know, weeks went by before I actually contacted you, and you actually contacted me, and all that kind of stuff. So, no, you've you've had great persistence. Now, I want to lead to something else because, I've, as I've gotten to know you, I've I've learned little bits and pieces about you, and you're a very interesting guy, and you okay. you're you're a, a very giving person. You give back to the community in many ways. Uh, but where do you, where does this come from? Where do you where does your background come from? Because you've got two extremely talented kids, I, I believe two. I'm not yep. sure. Two uh, I have a stepdaughter I have as well. Stepdaughter as well, and and
0: you're a really smart guy. I mean, paint for me the background. Where do you come from? Okay, um, well. Ever since I was a little boy, my mom would even tell you that I love to take things apart. But unlike other kids, I'd actually put them back together again. And uh, oftentimes, I would actually fix them or improve them in some way. Uh, and I don't know where that came from, because my dad's not necessarily like that. But he likes to, to fiddle around with things, but he was not quite like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my mom's dad was a watchmaker, like a watch repair guy. Oh, so I have a feeling right. it might have come from there. Um, but ultimately i grew up and i i fell in love with things like photography and working with my hands making things uh when i was like you know seven eight nine somewhere in there i had built a workbench with some help from a neighbor and in my mom's basement and i would be down there all the time making things and taking things apart and tinkering with things and that's where i um you know kind of got into this sort of creative side of my life but I love technology and I always have. And every time there was a new gadget, I was wanting to figure it out. And so I had a natural progression to uh, kind of the computer science world where, um, you know, you could buy this computer and then learn to program it and then you could make anything. You know, you had that um, computer programming is one of those things where you don't need to have much and you can make anything. and I really love that. So ever since I was a little kid, I think my first computer was a TRS-80 color computer from Radio Shack, and um, I uh, I learned basic uh, programming, and I wrote things like a lottery number generator for my dad, and I wrote a grocery list thing for my my mom, and then I would do things like school reports and stuff, and you know the the kids would be using typewriters and and hand doing things and and writing um uh, or sorry like copying pictures from from the from the books and stuff and sticking them on a piece of paper to make it look good and I was doing kind of like desktop publishing and stuff. I mean this is probably a little bit later on when I was uh when I, I had changed from my color TRS-80 Coco to a um a Commodore Amiga because mm-hmm. the Amiga had a lot more technology in it and a lot more uh, it was more advanced and you could do desktop publishing and stuff. So I would turn in these Fairly professional reports, and you know, with every single teacher, the very first report, they they're like, "You didn't write this." Once I said yes, I you know, I, I was able to prove to them that I wrote it. Then they they were kind of expecting that quality from me, so then I had a a bar that I had to keep up. But um ultimately, so from a very early on age, I was I was headed down the road of computers and technology, and fell into. Um, uh, in my high school they were rolling out the first uh, mainframe computer system in a high school and uh, i just got into that because we had a computer teacher i was uh i think he was um if i'm not mistaken he was either a math or a science teacher and he was teaching the option of computers and so him and i got along really well and he had me involved in the project so they were unpacking this mainframe computer and setting up all over the terminals all over the library and stuff. And I was running around and plugging them all in and turning them on and making sure they were connecting and stuff. So I was like, from a very early age, I was involved in that. And, um, then I took the natural progression in, in college. I went to Mount College back when it was a college, not a university. And I took a computer science university transfer program, transferred to University of Calgary, eventually after getting a diploma in computer science. And then uh, in university, I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, and then I I literally ran out of money and had to make money so that I could survive. I was living on uh, you know next to nothing in an apartment by myself. I put myself through college and university, paid all my books, all my tuition, everything. Um and and it was it was tough. You know, I I've I've I know what being flat busted broke and almost on the street feels like. And I never wanted to be there again. Mm-hmm. So um once I got out of computer science I worked um well I was also working construction with my dad for a while uh in the summers. Um but then I would work for a computer store and I uh, just selling computers and printers and peripherals. And then from there, uh, I decided that working in construction wasn't for me because it was cold and it was, you know, I, I wasn't too, I didn't have a big deal with the hard work or, or whatever, but I hated being rained on and snowed on and, and uh, you know, being damaged. I, I stepped on nails and I was, you know, I had a cement truck drive my hand through a, a a wall and like just horrible things happen on the construction site, no matter how careful you think you are. Um but I decided this, you know, mainly the weather, this wasn't for me. And, uh, I ended up, uh, for the company that had the computer store, I ended up working at their head office in their, um, IT department, putting together computers for clients and troubleshooting their clients and stuff like that. And then from there, a friend of mine, uh, who I went to college with, uh, was working at a software company. And he said, uh, Hey, uh, why don't you come join us? We need a system administrator. And, uh, Not really what I wanted to do, but it was a way to get out of the computer store. So I said, yeah, for sure. And then after working there for uh, a number of months, I think it was about seven or eight months, I'm not sure. um, I said to the president of the company, you know, because we were getting along good. And I said, you know, I'm not really a sysadmin. I'm actually a programmer and I'd rather do that. And he said, we don't pigeonhole people here. You know, if you want to hire someone to replace yourself, then you're welcome to be a programmer. And I thought there's the opportunity of a lifetime right there. (laughs) Um, So I hired a guy uh, named John. He was awesome. He, he did a way better job than me, um, but he was passionate about technology or uh, like uh, installing computers and running wires and Mm -hmm. making servers function and stuff, which is something that I did, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, And then I became a programmer Mm -hmm. and, uh, there was a lot of uh, attrition in the company, so I was kind of just propelled upwards uh, by the seniors leaving and juniors coming in underneath me. And pretty soon, I was sort of at the top of the food chain, reporting directly to the president and working with the senior sales manager, doing technical sales calls. And I ended up uh, doing a lot of business analysis and project management for all of the projects we were bringing in. Uh, and it was like a, it was almost like a, a boot camp. Of of career path where you start off at the bottom and you're thrust through this amazing high speed uh, track to this the senior position and um, unfortunately uh, the uh, one of the founders of the company uh, had uh, cancer or got cancer and and he ended up passing away and then there was. You know, political financial battles with the spouse and the and the president, and things just didn't go very well. And uh, one of my closest friends was working with me at that company, and I said, "Chris, we can do this. Let's start our own company." He's like, "No way." <laughs> <laughs> he liked job security. He liked being there doing his thing every day. Um, and after a month of nagging and pestering him, uh, he started to really see the company. Having major problems, and he decided, "Okay, let's do this." And um, that was one of the best decisions and one of the worst decisions. Um, you know, we ended up starting this company, software company, doing something similar. Got some good contracts, and and we were thriving, doing really, really well for a number of years. And then uh, there was there was one of those recessions, and that it hit us really, really hard. And we ended up uh, more or less shutting down the company, and to the point where. Um, My partner and I were consulting under the company name uh, doing uh, sort of, you know, I was doing programming, project management and business analysis, and he was doing um, reporting software development and database uh, work. Um, And we were actually doing really well. We actually, even though the company made lots of money, we didn't make a lot of money because a lot of it was going out to salaries and, and infrastructure and all that. So now all of a sudden we're just consulting and we're actually making more money than we've ever made and it was like this is great. Um, one of the contracts uh, I got was with the Calgary Airport. Um, I was uh, invited to join a company called AECom who was doing the the uh, project management and 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 work on the new terminal building that we're building. And um, you know to this day I think that's still one of my favorite jobs of all time Mm -hmm. so i was in the project management office as a project manager and i was responsible for uh, a pile of the it stuff in that was going into the new building so security cameras and fiber optic cable com room fit ups uh pa system uh flight information displays um uh, V, uh, what was it called VDGS uh, docking system for the airplanes? Like it was just this, all this great, amazing technology that I was like so excited about. And I was right there in the middle of it. Um, and I was holding meetings with all the uh, technology vendors that were actually bidding. Well, they they had already won the bid. So they were in the middle of, of designing and, and planning the, the new building um so i was meeting with the the design teams and the and the architects um there's actually a I, i'm very happy to say there's a couple aspects of the uh the new terminal building that are directly because i made a suggestion to the yeah, the the the, the, draft, the drafting the designer the architect cool. um so that was really really fun i really really enjoyed that um when they moved on to the actual implementation of everything i i was no longer there uh, but it was it was a really great ride Mm -hmm. Um, since then i've worked uh, done a lot of project management i worked um, at a bank for as a senior it manager Uh, i was a interim president of of an it company after that time i worked for the city of calgary i've had a lot of crazy jobs um, the whole time I was a, photo- I had a photography business on the side. I was doing podcasting. I was doing graphic design, creating logos for people, building websites. Um, I just so I you've always had that entrepreneurial yeah. side as well. Yeah. While you all while you had the job, and yeah. that's
1: something I really really like.
0: Yeah. I don't think I've ever not had a business, you know, I, I I never, or there, there has been times where I wasn't a hundred percent focused on the business, but, but I've always had one and, and, you know, may have just been my photography company, but, you know. So
1: I've got to ask you as, uh, as you were talking about your curiosity and you're talking about
0: your, your bent towards technology, have your kids picked that up at all? You know, oddly enough, uh, my oldest son, Tony, is incredibly creative um he actually did the music for the podcast right, right now I that. and um he's he's really good at he plays guitar and he's great with uh with Garage right. band on the macbook and he also um he's also written his own book which is about to launch it's a fantasy novel um and he's doing a play right now for his school and he's just a crazy like creative person. My younger son wants to be. Uh, a scientist, or an astronaut, or an astrophysicist, or something along those wow. lines. He's very meticulous, very quiet. Likes to make things happen. Uh, couldn't be prouder of them. Uh, my stepdaughter, she wants to be, um, uh, she wants to be, I think, a lawyer because she loves to argue and fight with people. But she sings, and she has a beautiful voice. And um, you know, she's she's been doing a lot of singing and and learning more about how to to kind of train her voice and she's actually very dedicated to it and i'm quite proud of her as well um yeah it's i would say the odd thing is none of my kids want to be programmers and none of them are really into technology but they're all very uh creative and uh, and i'm very proud of them yeah
1: right on good so uh, another thing that i wanted to talk to you about because uh, you know we're both part of the rainforest Mm -hmm. and uh uh, you've been a big part of it, actually. You've been uh, I've been in it probably less time than you over the last year or so that I've been uh, a regular. Uh, the rainforest uh, is working to diversify our economy away from oil and gas, something that I think personally our governments have talked about for forty over 40 years and have not had much success. Uh, how do you think the rainforest is doing as far as uh, – uh, you know, helping towards that. Uh, and going along with that, I also want to come back and I want to ask you, because I know you're involved in, in training people, retraining, if you may, people that are maybe engineers or accountants, or whatever, that are getting uh, laid off or golden handshakes or whatever from the oil industry into the tech sector. But let's start with the rainforest first. What's, okay. your, what's your
0: thoughts there? So I've had a... A long-standing knowledge that networking is really important, and for years and years, because I was fairly introverted, I didn't really like it that much. Um, but one day, uh, my wife and I actually attended the, a rainforest event, the very first one I had been to, and it was so different. It was it was uh, it was this really different group um I, I found the people to be um very passionate and a lot of uh, startup people a lot of um entrepreneur people but there was also in that same mix there was investors there was massage therapists there was uh government people there like you you name it they come to the rainforest and and they should because i think the best word that i've heard to describe it is collision um it is a collision space. And, and if you, like, for example, let's say you're really into artificial intelligence and you attend an artificial intelligence meetup, you're always going to be talking to people who are passionate about artificial intelligence at that meetup. But you're not as likely to be talking to an investor or to the CEO of, a, of some company somewhere, um, unless they happen to be in artificial intelligence. Whereas the rainforest, because of its diversification, because, because it's just almost like everything to everybody everybody attends and you could be talking to somebody who you never in a million years would have talked to and then build a a, um, uh, some sort of a relationship there that could potentially change your life or their life or somebody else's life and what what it comes down to is if you if you know somebody who needs something or you need something or or you're able to help somebody else with something it just happens. People just get together and they do it because they feel compelled as being part of the rainforest. They feel compelled to give back in some way. And maybe in the past, they never really would have thought about it or they never really would have bothered. But now all of a sudden, they're like, I, I really should figure out how to give back. And then somebody asks for something and they're like, you know what? I can help you or "Oh, I know this person that I can introduce you to. And it becomes almost like a um, a respected and expected kind of a of a behavior so when you talk about collisions though uh, you know to people
1: who might not understand what that what you mean by that term uh, we're not talking I mean yes collision could also mean an accident where, <laughs> where accident people accidentally if you may meet each other Yep. but collision you're talking about collision of ideas mm-hmm. collision
0: of in- industries yep a, a number of ways that those collisions absolutely take place. and and the accident even is a valid way to de- the word collision and whatever it means to you would actually be valid in this mm. case. And, and even an accident because um you know, this particular situation doesn't have to do with the rainforest, but it's an example of a, of a, of an interesting twist. Um, as a photographer, I've worked with a lot of models. Uh, I found out on LinkedIn that one of the models that I work for is now working for a company who hires software developers. And as you alluded to, I currently have a, Uh, One of the many things that I do is I work uh, to get people jobs who are uh, currently training to be uh, software developers or network specialists uh, through the Manpower's Tech Careers program. And I contacted her and I said, would you please introduce me to someone at your company who's hiring people because I have a bunch of software developers available and she's like, yes, absolutely. So she introduced me to one of the main recruiting people there. And he introduced me to kind of the head of their IT department. We had coffee. And now we're placing some of our students there. Fantastic. So who would have thought that, you know, who would have sat there and went, oh, I'm going to contact the models I know because that'll get me in touch with the IT manager of a big company. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have, you know, made that collision. And and in, in the rainforest, Maybe that's a little bit of an extreme example, but stuff like that can happen. Uh, we met another amazing guy through a lady who was at the rainforest. Who um, she's kind of like a healer, <laughs> and so she has she sort of a an unexpected person in the tech industry. But she knew someone who knew someone who we ended up having a great relationship with. So it's 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 that that word collision is why why I feel that it is so um, perfect for rainforest. Is it? it really really does describe what happens there
1: mm-hmm. so with uh, uh, getting to the retraining of people uh, i mean uh, that's a, that's a really big thing because you look at what calgary is going through right now we are uh, have the highest unemployment rate of any major city in canada i believe uh yet there are from my understanding a lot of positions open in the tech sector yeah Mm-hmm. and uh but there's not enough well trained people to take those positions and i think through tech careers and manpower that's what you're working on is yep. that correct
0: yeah yeah so tech careers is a uh, a manpower program so manpower did the rfp with the government won the contract and now um employees who work for manpower uh will run the tech careers program and we're partnered with sate as our training provider, so we have Sate instructors teaching Sate curriculum at Sate. So the students are full time at Sate, but the interesting twist is that the students we have came from backgrounds that you wouldn't normally expect. So we have people who are maybe they have a master's degree or a PhD, even in some engineering discipline or or um, uh, accountants or you know all kinds of other areas, and they're pivoting their careers to become a network specialist or or a software developer. How difficult is that app? Well, oddly I mean, a, enough, a fifty year old engineer. I mean, can he really become a software well, developer? Well, we're proving it. Yeah. um We're proving it. There, there. It's about it's about interest and passion. And you know, you probably know yourself. If there's something you're actually interested in or fascinated in or passionate passionate about, it's easy to learn it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe. Uh, you know, in some cases you learned engineering because your parents told you that was where you needed to to go or, or where you thought it was a, a good way to make money or whatever. And you may not be totally passionate about it. Um, well now you're, you're transitioning your career. You're like, I've, I've loved programming ever since I, you know, made a VBA script in my Excel spreadsheet to add a new line or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, that was really neat. I was able to change something and make it new. And as they get into this program, um, on the programming side, it's a full stack developer. So they're learning everything from SQL database backends all the way up to HTML and cascading style sheets and making uh, websites for people. So you, everywhere in between. And once you learn how to program, uh, you can go anywhere with it. You can start doing mobile app development. You can do um, applications and, and uh automations that actually work on the firmware of us of some sort of device that that maybe opens and closes a valve somewhere like there it, the programming concepts are all generally the same even though the syntax or or the the functionality of the of the application may be slightly different so that's really powerful and then on the networking side of things they're learning about The internet, how it's actually you know stitched together on the backside of it. They're learning about switching and routing and firewalling and and um, uh, mail servers and DNS servers and like everything you could imagine that actually uh, ties together and actually makes possible the internet and software technologies and web websites and all that. So uh, these are these are things that that are in demand Um, and you know. I might even go so far as to say there's a shortage of good software developers in the industry, especially at the at the entry level, um, because a lot of companies maybe they can't afford the the high end senior software engineers. They maybe they're looking to get maybe a, a small handful of junior people to get the job done, and then they already have you know one or two senior people that they rely on to kind of architect the thing and and make it make it work. Um, So, uh, you know, we're finding um, we're not having a huge amount of trouble locating employers who are interested in taking on our our student body. And when they look at their backgrounds, um, you know, if you're working as an example, if you're working in um, as a software company that caters to an oil services company or an oil company, having somebody with an engineering background now all of a sudden they can communicate crystal clear with the client that's
1: Brilliant! I never thought you know, of that.
0: and that and that and that's been happening quite a bit where they're looking at, at the backgrounds of our students and they're like wow i want to talk to this person or i want to meet that person mm-hmm. and it's really really exciting so
1: uh, and i don't want to spend too much time on this but one last question if there's somebody thinking about you know uh, maybe i need to shift my career maybe i got to a is there, is there any kind of an aptitude test or something like that that they can take to figure out, you know, am I cut out to be a programmer?
0: Yeah. Well, interesting that you say that. Our um, our process to bring people on board. So this is, I, I don't know if I mentioned, it's 100% free for students. There's no tuition, no books. It's it's government. Pays, you don't have to b- be on unemployment. Pays the bill. Well, there's, there's, um, there's a range. So we have... Um, 80% of our students need to be EI eligible. Right. So they may be on EI or they may have eligibility for EI. And then we have a 20% kind of a extra that we can bring in uh, people who we feel would fit in the program. And there is a, um, a process to be brought on board. So there's a there's some interviews, there's some some, uh, I don't want to call it a test. It's more of a aptitude test like you're asking and it will actually help determine how how well you would fit in that type of a career Uh, so that is all part of the process and uh, if people are interested they can go to techcareers.ca and learn about the program and find out what's going on we're doing an intake for our next semester right now so it might be a good opportunity um june 3rd i believe is the start of that program so i mean uh the next
1: question i've got Uh, is a I don't know how good of a question it is because you're such an interesting guy and I (laughs) and I wanted to say what is the next interesting thing or what are you working on now that is so interesting maybe on the side or what are you most excited about that you're going to do in the next year or two
0: if you've thought of that? Well I do have a few things on the go one of the things that I'm most passionate about is uh, my company I started with two friends called Capturing Legacies, and so the general gist of it is that there's a lot of people on this planet, and they're all every single one of them fascinating. Um, you know, I, I I'm really honored and happy and and pleased that you think I'm interesting, but everybody's interesting, including yourself. And these stories are being lost. You know, people grow old and they pass away. There's no way to avoid that. And when they pass away without having told their story, um, all that life experience and all that information, that the stuff that they went through, the trials and tribulations, the lost loves and the passions that they had are all gone forever. And um, so I started capturing legacies because my dad was, um, you know, at the dinner table was telling my my children stories from the old country when he was a kid. And I thought to myself, I've never heard that story. And then he would tell them something about when he came to Canada and he was working on the railroad. And and I'm like, I never heard that story. And I realized that even though I've known my dad my whole life, I actually had no idea who he was. And so after starting this company, I, uh, I sat down with a couple video, uh video, uh, sorry, uh, video recorders and an audio recorder. And I, I sat my dad down and I interviewed him and I asked him to tell me all these stories. And, um, I'm really happy that I did because now those are are, you know, captured forever. And my children's children and their children and the children after them will all know who my dad was. And I have already started working on my story. And I fully intend to to do the same thing. And I hope my children and and their children all do that as well. So that at least at the very least, starting with my dad, our family history will be recorded. And, um, you know, we because i'm a software developer i wrote an online application that lets people log in create an account and start writing their story and they can collaborate with people all over the world and upload videos audio or audio files photos and then just pull up an editor and start writing if they want um we also added a a great feature called i just call it guide me where you click the button and it starts asking you questions so um you know if you don't know how to write your story or you don't know where to start Click the button. It'll ask you a question. You answer the question in as much detail as you can think of or remember and upload any photos that might be related to that question. And then you hit save and ask the next. it asks you another question. By the time it's asked you all the questions in the database, you're probably not going to have a whole lot left to tell because it's a pretty uh, elaborate um, question database. And then um, our the, the general gist of our company is that, like I did with my dad, um you know you can hire us if you want we'll interview you and then we'll do all the work we'll transcribe the audio we'll prepare the videos we'll prepare um uh, an actual book uh story of your of your life and and you have you can have a physical book in your hands of of your life story so it's i'm super super passionate about this and i just want everybody in the world to write their story whether they hire me or not write your story because it's so important yeah. so
1: uh can I, if I were to go on there and I know I've seen the site basically, I haven't been in there yet, but if I were to go in there and I tell my dad's story, but I've got, uh, you know, four other brothers, uh, three now uh, brothers that could, can we collaborate on that Absolutely. story? Absolutely, yep. yep.
0: Yep. So you create your account and you create the project inside your account and then you add your brothers via their email addresses and um, they can connect and you guys can all collaborate and you have control as the owner of the account. Um, you can say, well, your brother, your one brother, you don't quite trust him to, to write anything. So you're going to just make him view only and he can be a part of it. Or you can make everybody uh, read write, so that they can contribute as well. Um, and then if you want, what we think is one of the most powerful features of the application is when you're done your story, you can make any all or part of it public so that people can log in and if you go on there right now we have a few stories that are publicly available um where you can read about somebody's life and all the things that they've contributed to society and their families and everything uh in including uh the late Ed Whelan which we're doing Ed Whelan's story we're we're just about finished that it's been a very long process um but that one's uh going to be up and up on there as well for people to enjoy Mm -hmm. And it can take
1: audio, you said, yep. video, audio, video, pictures, pictures, and you can edit. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Yep. Well, that sounds fantastic, Al. I mean, that is, uh, you know, there's such a growing interest in Ancestry, uh, Ancestry.com, FamilySearch.com, and there's so many of these places. But I don't think anybody, I haven't seen, and I've had a great interest in it, I haven't seen anybody that where they're recording the stories. And, you know, when, going back to – hundreds of years ago those stories were passed down by the elders yes you know and uh but nobody's doing that now it's tonight. a lost art yeah, right it's a lost art now so and we've got technology that we can record it in even better than what they had yeah Because a lot would get lost in that translation from one elder to the next generation yep. Uh this there's nothing getting lost in the translation so fantastic idea Uh, Listen, thank you very much. This has been a great uh, chatting with you. I've learned, even though I know you, I've learned a lot about you here in this last uh, 37 minutes or so. (laughs) So uh, really appreciate it, Al. And uh, for all those people that uh, we've talked about the rainforest, I hope we see them at the rainforest. Rainforest does a Lunch Without Lunch uh, every wednesday they can go to rainforest alberta and take a look at that and hopefully they'll
0: run into us and say hey i heard your po- your podcast so absolutely i hope so too and uh, thanks thanks a lot for uh, for having me on the show you. <laughs> if you haven't already visit rainforestab.ca and sign the rainforest social contract become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was sponsored by Workhouse, bright and inspiring co-working spaces that fuel productivity and cultivate creativity. The way you were meant to work Make Workhouse Core the new home for your business. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.